Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast, the podcast dedicated to simplifying the commercial real estate industry for the masses. Each week, we sit down with industry experts to dissect the many facets of commercial real estate and extract valuable lessons you can apply to your business. Whether you're a new or seasoned business owner or investor, the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast will be your go-to resource for all your commercial real estate needs. Now, here are your hosts, Rafael Collazo and Jeff Walston. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Collazo, here with my co-host, Jeff Walston. How's it going, my friend? It's going great. How's everyone doing? I hope you're, everyone's going doing well. Uh, man, I'm just grateful. Uh, can't say enough. Living in uh, Kentucky here in Louisville, Kentucky, the weather is off and on, but today is an amazing day. Uh, work's going great. Uh, 2022 is definitely picking up for everyone. I hope all the listeners as well. It's going well for you guys. Uh, what about you, Raphael? How's it going over there? Same, man. Same. I can't complain. Uh, even if I did complain, I don't think anyone would really care, but you know, uh, I bet you would, I bet you would, but other <laughs> yeah. than that, no, no, but everything's going great. No, I'm, I'm as, as, as with you, I mean, I'm super blessed and thankful for all the opportunities that have come our way. And we're super thankful for all you guys and all yeah. the feedback we received from you all. And, you know, the continued downloads and, and reviews that we received on the podcast. Again, it makes a huge difference in our ability to be able to, you know, spread the message of, of the commercial real for the commercial real estate industry. And uh, part of uh, today's episode, which I, I thought was amazing, uh, really, and I don't say that lightly. I mean, it was a really insightful episode. Uh, and, and I think those individuals who are in the commercial real estate industry will gain a lot of value from this particular episode. And that's with Mark Duclos. He's actually uh, the former uh, president of SIOR, which is a organization focused on office and industrial real estate, uh, as well as the president CEO of Century Commercial uh, out, out of Hartford, Connecticut. Um, he's just an absolute wealth of knowledge and provided a lot of wisdom uh, with having over, I think, over 31 years of experience in the commercial real estate industry. So uh, I think you guys are in for a real treat with this episode. So during the, the episode, we talked a little bit about what got him interested in the commercial real estate industry. Uh, he started out in the residential mortgage space and then eventually transitioned and wor started working for a developer and then transitioned over again and, and started his own brokerage back in 1991, has been operating uh, Century Commercial uh, ever since. And so uh, we talked a little bit about some of the early struggles he faced after making that transition from residential mortgage into the brokerage space. Again, this is something that a lot of um, you know people within the industry struggle with, especially when they first get started. So he's shared a lot of wisdom and insights pertaining to that. Then we talked a lot about the SIOR designation and the organization. Uh, it is a very prestigious organization. There's, I think there's only 3,700 members worldwide currently. Uh, so, and the requirements to be able to get in the organization are pretty, pretty high up there. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if you do carry an SIR designation, it carries some weight. Um, and so he talked a little bit about his experience, how it's positively impacted both his personal and professional life because he's become close friends and, 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 and with his colleagues within the, the, the organization. Um, and then he, then he talked a little bit about some of the, the initiatives that the SIRR uh, the, the organization is going to take on over the next five to 10 years in order to a, improve diversity and provide a great membership experience for its members. And then finally, you know, he gave some advice to those individuals who uh, are getting started in their, in, their, in their career and, you know, some advice pertaining to what designations to pursue and, 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 you know, additional advice as to how you can actually achieve those designations to better serve your clients long-term. So, you know, I found it an extremely valuable, uh, I felt like he provided a lot of insights in this particular episode. Jeff, did you have anything else you'd like to add? I would 
No, Mark was great. Uh, I can't wait for everyone to listen to him. Um, what stood out to me is the SOIR, uh, just how, like he said, is their mission is connecting people to people, connecting people to business, and then connecting people to knowledge. And that's the one thing that I know for a fact that Mark delivered on today is giving the knowledge to all you guys listeners. So I cannot wait for you to take a listen to this episode. Definitely. You know, he definitely lives out the mission of SIOR. And you know, as I said before, he was the, the, uh, former, the, the former president of SIOR for several years. And, you know, he lives and breathes the mission. And so I think you guys will gain a lot of value from this episode. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the podcast. Well, hey, Mark, how's it going? Doing all right. How are you doing? Can't complain. The weather, the weather's picking up here and the Kentucky Derby, we're located in Louisville, Kentucky, and the Kentucky Derby's right around the corner. So, you know, everyone's getting prepped and ready for the, the big, big event. So what is that? A couple of weeks, Rafael? Yeah, just a couple of weeks away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely the biggest event, I would say, in Louisville, uh, for sure. I mean, and obviously we have, you know, leading up events leading up to it. We have Thunder Over Louisville coming up, which is a big fireworks show. Uh, last year, I think we, we, we weren't able to do it because obviously of COVID. So I think there's going to be a big turnout this year as a result of just people being out and about so oh totally listen i'm from from connecticut I, i've got to believe it's on 25 percent of the people in connecticut's bucket list right is to go to the go to the derby uh, I've yeah, never been. I, I mean i i know people that i've met outside because i used to live i've lived in europe and other places as well and you know everyone kind of know her has heard of the kentucky derby especially those countries where horse racing is popular in england you know and that sort of thing I, australia they're very familiar with it as well so it's definitely yeah. one of the, the big three, the races. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, good to be here. Thanks oh. for having me. Oh, for sure. Oh, thanks well, for coming on, Mark. We really appreciate you coming on. Definitely. No, and Mark, again, like we said, we're very appreciative of you coming on. We know you're extremely busy, and I know you're going to be able to provide a ton of value uh, to the audience. But typically what we like to do when we first get started with the podcast is, is we like to learn a little bit more about the person that's across the table from us. So if you don't mind kind of sharing your backstory, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, so my backstory is I'm a native of right where I'm calling from. I'm from Hartford, Connecticut. So I grew up in the suburbs of Hartford, Connecticut. I uh, went to school up in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, got out of school, went to uh, became a banker and uh, on the uh, mortgage lending side, the residential mortgage lending side with every intent to get into the commercial lending side. Uh, that didn't work out. We had what we called New England banking laws back then where you couldn't do commercial lending if you were with a New York lender. Uh, so um, the uh, reality is I was with Citibank and I said, you know what, um, I won't be doing lending in uh, New England, but why don't I do brokerage? So I started off with a developer back in 1986 and uh, worked for them for a year or two. And then I got into brokerage uh, basically in 1986. 1987, 1988, and that in that area, and um, then started my own company in 1991 with a partner who's no, no longer with us, unfortunately. But um, we started as a brokerage company in '91, and uh, we then evolved to be a brokerage property management company in uh, about five years ago, and then we added construction management to our ranks about four years ago. So now we call ourselves a commercial real estate services company based out of Hartford. Yeah, that's awesome. No, and and yeah. you mentioned the. The, the lending side, was that a big jump for you when you, when you decided to jump from the, the mortgage space to the, 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 the brokerage side? No, because the, 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 the mortgage side gave me a great background and basic residential and real estate, right? It was residential at the time, but you're also, I was calling on residential brokerage companies. It was kind of new back then. That sounds a little ages myself, dates myself a little bit, but, uh, you know, back then you started knocking on doors, going to the brokerage companies and asking them for, for your, for their business, for their client's business. So I got a good understanding of financing. I got a good understanding of sales. I got a good understanding of uh, people 
And so, listen, I mean, you probably just named the three, one of the three of the main components of being a good real estate broker, right? Absolutely. No. And, and that's one of the pieces that I think a lot of times, especially when you first start out, you don't necessarily know a lot about is the financing piece. And coming from that background, I mean, that's that's invaluable, I'm sure. And building those relationships, too, so you can call on different lenders and get a feeling for what different lenders are offering and what type of deals are looking for so you can better place your clients. So, yeah, no question. Uh, no question. And, and it is. It's all it's all about the relationships. And and it wasn't as much knowing the numbers because I knew that coming out of college, but it's really understanding how debt is processed. Right. And and, and uh, are you dealing with secondary lenders? Are they high, high, keeping it for their own portfolio and the differences between like, like you just said and uh, putting them in the right product? Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Mark, I heard that you were saying residential on the the mortgage end of it. What made you and pick commercial? Why do you why the trajectory that way instead of you know residential? Sure. Yeah, sure, Jeff. The uh, really simple. I I, I work late. Uh, but I don't want to be forced to work late and uh, I work weekends, but I don't want to be forced to work weekends. So uh, that was really the bottom line it was I didn't want I, I wanted to work on my own time. As it turns out, I probably work a heck of a lot more on weekends than a residential realtor does at this point or real estate agent does. But uh, that's OK. That's my choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, it was it seems... cool, though. It was fun. It was fun. I, 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 listen, I like working. Um, with uh, families as well, but I also don't want families, um, you know, making kind of family decisions. I, I kind of like the more corporate decision, but being in that first couple of years in the mortgage world, it was always interesting to, um, to listen to everybody's story. And every person that I wrote mortgages for always had a story. And one of the biggest stories I remember was I was sitting at a, um, uh, was sitting at a uh, table with um, writing a mortgage for a, a longtime exec who was in the midst of getting laid off in 1986 or 87. And I remember writing a note to myself, he basically was, hey, I had the corporate handcuffs uh, back then, which was you work for a company for about 30 years and you turn to be about 55 and all of a sudden you're getting laid off and it's like, what's, ne what's ne what now what, right? And I remember yeah. writing a note to myself and said, I'm never gonna be put in that position ever. So that's when I started becoming a lot more entrepreneurial. Yeah, no, and and, and uh, I can imagine the 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 fear that you know probably went through this gentleman after having put in his time and probably performing very well for the company over a period of time. But you know, again, at a company, it's all you're expendable. I mean, if unless you unless you can perform for a long period of time, and even then, I mean, there's there's certain situations where it may be beneficial for the company to move on, and you know that, that's why you know being your own boss and and obviously that comes with the, the time commitment. You mentioned you work a lot, and I'm sure that's part of the reason why you've been able to accomplish what you've been able to accomplish. But again, it's, it's for your benefit versus maybe a broader, broader audience. So. Yeah, no question. And back in the mid eighties that the, the, it was so up to the mid eighties, maybe somebody would argue 87, 88 in that area. It used to be, you started with a company, you're pretty much guaranteed a job for that company, right? Your parents have always, you know, they worked for the same company forever. They retired with their company with the golden watch. Um, in the late eighties, that started evolving and it was basically no promises. So, so it basically evolved to what you're talking about, Raphael, which is, yeah, no promises. Um, we, did, we, we appreciate your employment, but uh, you could be let go at any time. Definitely. No, of course. So, so back then when you, when you were transitioning from the mortgage space into the brokerage side, obviously there's a lot of, uh, of our listeners who are, you know, early on in their career in brokerage and that comes along with a lot of struggles. So I was wondering if you could share some of the insights you gained through that experience and maybe some of the struggles you faced and, you know, how you were able to overcome some of those. 
Yeah, and we pay for some of those struggles. The industry is paying for some of those struggles, right? Because we've always prided ourselves on you eat what you kill. Um, you uh, no, we don't give you a salary. Um, you got to just go out there and hustle and, and make a living. And maybe in the 80s and maybe in the 90s, that sold okay. But you know what? That's not selling as well now. But that's the way it was back in the 80s. I was fortunate that I got into the business with a developer uh, originally. And um, so working for that developer, I got a pretty good taste of what brokerage was all about. And I, I got in on a salary. Um, the problem is working for a developer, I was limited to that one product, right? So I was doing a nice job knocking on doors and finding people, but if they didn't want to go into that developer's product, then I was out. It's not like I could be a broker and go spring them elsewhere. So I learned quickly that I really didn't want to do that. Um, and when I say we're paying for it now, I mean, right now, a lot of the younger brokers don't, um, don't want to or can't afford to get into a business that they don't um, get paid a regular check, right? And so they've got to put it all on the line. In some cases, that's good because bottom line is they're going to hustle, hustle, hustle and try to make a living. And some of them do. Uh, others, it kind of limits the people that we have in the industry and it becomes uh, kind of a, um, a single track kind of uh, type of, you know, it's, it's we start creating the same people over and over and that the diversity just isn't there. So we're paying for that. Back then, listen, I knew because it was, you mentioned the mortgage sales uh, that I could sell. I knew that um, I learned the, the actual basis of commercial real estate by working with a developer. So I was able to actually start with a base and start war working with clients reasonably immediately. But back then it was just knocking on doors. I mean, it was really knocking on doors. You Hopefully you got a product that you could uh, list and then you basically went and knocked on doors and used that product in order to build your base of business. Um, I remember remember uh, my first uh, deal of any size um, was uh, was basically done off a phone, which back then was the phones were just brand new cell phones. And it was an Oshkosh truck. And that was from knocking on doors of a product. So it's hustle. I always tell people when I, I think and it's still the case, whether you're getting paid a base salary or a, uh, a draw uh, or working on commission, you've got to take the work of three years and condense that into one. And you got to take the work of five years and condense that into three. And that way you get up to speed a heck of a lot quicker, but it is what I call a front loaded business. And you've got to really put in that effort. Like I said, three years of work in one year, five years of work in three years. If you do that and you do it smart, um, you're probably going to be okay. But I think what I do see uh, on sometimes people want to put one year's of work in one year, and that just is not going to work in our industry, especially now. Oh, definitely. No. And, and, and as you mentioned, I mean, it, it weeds a lot of people out. I mean, that, that, that we have one of the probably highest turnover rates uh, for industry for, I mean, I, I would imagine for a variety of different industries because of those first few years. And so, you know, I've spoken with many people that are just early on in their brokerage career and they're, you know, struggling because it's just, they haven't been able to execute on a transaction. And that's obviously just a function of, you know, it's a very competitive environment out there. And, and, and sometimes you don't even know what even to say, a lot of times when you're interacting yeah. with someone who's a 30 year veteran, you know, in, in the commercial field, whether they're a developer or maybe even a business owner, but they're a veteran business owner and they're very sophisticated in how they interact with, with people. And you as a newer person probably don't have nearly the experience that someone of that caliber has. And sometimes it comes off as, you know, you may or may not be someone that they want to work with. However, you know, that's why I think teaming up with a, you know, strong broker in particular can help you on that front where you can loop them in and, you know, have them, you know, totally. help you along yeah. the way. 
Yeah, I mean, well, listen, we we I totally agree. We don't allow somebody to come on board with us if they don't have experience. If they're new to the industry, they can't come on board on their loan. They have on, on their own. They have to be teamed with somebody if they want to choose after that to leave the team because they think they can they can make it on their own. God bless you. But we want them to come in with an established book that they can learn the business from. To your point, you know, it was uh, early when I got in the business and for a period of time the industry almost prided itself from, from weeding people out, right? It was like, oh yeah, if you're, if you're not strong enough, then you're out. Mm, you know, then guess what? The nurturing part of that wasn't around. And now we've kind of reversed that and take it a personal responsibility that you make it in this business, right? And I think a lot of companies are starting to do that to make sure that it's a vested interest to make sure you make it. That's a complete turnaround from maybe about 30 years ago. Um, and, and I think embedding these new brokers in these teams really helps them. And you can get an understanding of whether they have the skill sets to do what they need to do by being embedded in a team, even though they're only doing maybe a couple of functions. Definitely. No, for sure. And, and, and I'll even credit, you know, to the brokers that I'm a part of, I'm in a boutique brokerage. And I mean, I've, I've been looped in on opportunities just through, you know, working with, with my, with, with the people in my brokerage. And I, I mean, it's invaluable experience for me and it's given me a lot of confidence in going out there and, you know, still soliciting business. So it's, yeah. um, well, I think it's an extremely, that. no, no worries. No, I, I think it's a very important piece of the puzzle. And so anytime I know I talk to someone and I, I'm nowhere near the experience level that you have, I mean, I'm about two and a half, maybe three years in myself. And so, you know, anytime I kind of have a conversation with someone about it, I always mention that, you know, t pairing up and being at a brokerage that supports you and your endeavors is really the, you know, the, the most critical piece. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the brokers themselves are need to deliver a heck of a lot more for what they used to. I mean, it it's, uh, used to be the desk and a phone and a pencil and a pad, maybe. Uh, and uh, right. And now it's listen, if I'm a new agent coming into the business, I'm not only looking for the broker to support me with some leads, like you just said, but I also think they've got to be what's your, um, you know, we used to always say, you know, what's, do the, does the agent have it? Like, what, do they have it? I can't describe what it is, but I know it when I see it, well, they've got to be able to turn around to the broker and say, what do you have? Do you have it? And for me, it is. Do you have a base of, of, of um, operations? Do you have a foundation, a CRM? Do you have uh, data? Do you have a property database? Do you have a CRM? Do you have a you know, comp database? Do you have tools that I can use in order to really maximize being successful so that it has turned in somewhat to IT, you know, technology? Do you have the technology to help me be successful? And as I call it, the tools in the toolbox to, to help me do what I do. Absolutely. No, yeah. and we, we've had the honor of interviewing a lot of different tech uh, companies uh, in the commercial real estate space. And it's just amazing what's coming down the pike and how it's going to be leveraged in a variety of different capacities. So, yeah, absolutely. And I hope everybody hears that. I could tell you my travels as SIOR global president. Um, and I didn't just I just didn't uh, travel to SIORs. I traveled all over to uh, different uh, places as well. And the bottom line was there are some people and some companies are listening to that loud and clear. And there's others that are quite candidly oblivious to it. And I'm, I'm afraid for those companies that aren't establishing that technology platform in order to help their brokers be be successful. Because I think there's a tipping point, right? When you're, when you're actually doing that work, you're going to get to a tipping point where it's just going to grow exponentially. And we're starting to see some of those companies do that. And they're, and obviously their agents be successful because of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mark, great advice. Great advice. I love what you said about the hustle, the, you know, condensing the three to one year and the five to three, because uh, I'm a, G, a GC, commercial GC by nature and, and developer. And 
been around the industry for over 20 years. And I tell you that all the people that are new, uh, just don't quite understand, uh, that how much hustle it does take in that first year. And even the third, you know, second and third year. So, uh, great advice, great advice. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Jeff. And the, and the, the, um, you know, and it's, it's the, it's hustle, it's smart hustle, right? It's not just going out there and just doing whatever. And it's not just about yeah. hours, but it's a smart, it's a plan. It's a process. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what you were saying about picking the right brokerage for you. So that's hand in hand, because they're going to help you formulate that plan, right? To, to get out there and, and, you know, they might be able to wind you up or you can do that yourself, but you may not know which direction to go if you don't know the industry quite well. So 100%. Uh, you know, it's funny. Yeah. The other thing that I find with the younger brokers, um, it, you, you'll have this attitude sometimes, and and you, Rafael, you you alluded to it was uh, you're you're banging your head against thirty year veterans. Um, I've been in the business thirty six years, and I always tell the younger ones, I said, listen, there's a there's a you know there's an upside and downside to everything, right? So you're you're right. You're going to be looking at somebody. They're going to say, well, why should I hire you over Mark Duplo? And you're going to say, my mine would be Mark's great, but you know what? He's getting all long in the tooth, right? And I'm out there. I'm hustling. I'm learning new things. I'm using all the tools that I need to use, and yada yada yada. So you do have a benefit in the marketplace as long as you utilize it. But you can't just go to how the heck am I going to beat him? You can beat me. Just go out and just make sure you're 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 selling what you're delivering. And sometimes that sells, and sometimes times it doesn't. Absolutely. And I, I, I'll even say that that's one of my value propositions when I talk with potential clients is I say, look, like I'm, I'm deeply rooted in digital technology. Like I, I come from an IT background. You know, I understand how to leverage technology through, you know, these mediums like podcasting, YouTube, you know, I have a strong digital presence and that's the way that things are trending. That's the way things are moving. And so, you know, that's definitely a value proposition that I offer a lot and it definitely makes a difference. It moves the needle. You so. Good for you, Rafael. You absolutely need to, because it is, it, listen, if uh, I can be in business 36 years and all my colleagues can be in the business for 36 years, if you're not utilizing those tools, forget it. You should be kicking my ass every day. Mm -hmm. Definitely, <laughs> Mark, uh, I think the big question, especially for me is what is SIOR? Can you like elaborate exactly what that is? And, uh, you know, just explain to the audience who's uh, curious about that. Absolutely. So the, yeah. and it's probably good for younger brokers to understand as well. Um, so great question, Jeff. Uh, number one, it's not SIOR. Sometimes they pronounce it SIOR. We don't, we don't put all the letters together. I know you did not, but just to make sure everybody understands that it's SIOR. And that stands for a Society of Industrial and Office Realtors. And we are a uh, affiliate of uh, the uh, National Association of Realtors, as is CCIM and IRAM and the Land Institute and, uh, um, and Councils of Real Estate. And um, so we're the, we are one of the five uh, organizations, commercial organizations under NAR. We are specifically about a 36, 3700 member organization that started back uh, in the 1940s uh, as a industrial organization. And now we're an industrial in office. We are a members, our members are either industrial or office specialists uh, that have been in the industry for a long period of time producing at a certain level in the industry for a certain period of time and doing it at a higher than just ethical standard, doing it uh, in a way that um, uh, rises well above just the, 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 what we'll call the ethical bar, but doing business the way we think it should be doing business, uh, collaboratively helping others uh, and such. And so, uh, like I said, we're about 36 or 3,700 members. We actually got through COVID really well um, and uh, candidly, as a local broker in, in, uh, in Hartford, Connecticut, 
it has been a huge part of my career. I joined uh, or became an SIOR. You don't join, you actually you earn the SIOR designation. And I did about 18 years ago, almost 19 years ago, best thing I did for my career, not only from a standpoint of connections, uh, I can essentially call just about anybody and get to where I need to go. Uh, but um, as far as transactions as well, knowledge, just uh, and uh, just a ton of opportunity. So uh, I think from a younger, the reason why I talk about the younger group, one of the things I think we fail to realize or sell sometimes is connectivity. Right. I mean, it's a, to me, it's all about connecting dots and SIOR allows you to connect dots and allows you to make sure that when you do connect those dots, you're connecting it with people you actually want to do business with. Absolutely. No, no. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's why it's so important to kind of educate people about these different opportunities, because, you know, a lot of times it's, it's not super readily available unless you're actively searching it out. And so I, you know, our hope with some of these, these podcast episodes, as we, as we get people thinking about these, these opportunities so that they can consider doing them themselves as well. And another thing that, that you mentioned was the, 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 the how the organization has impacted your, your, your personal and professional life, you know, could you kind of elaborate a little bit on, you know, some of the, some of the, I guess, not necessarily the tools, but, but the, but the pieces of, of, the SIOR designation and, and really ultimately what the organization offers that really were what, what made a difference in your career? Yeah, it's, our mission is reasonably simple. It's actually, I think it's really simple. It's to connect people to people, people to markets, people to knowledge, and people to opportunities. So, you know, people to people, it's just what we're doing right now. It's just, you know, it's uh, having the conversation. And then, of course, if I have a question, I might reach out to you. And then you guys reach out to somebody else for me or whatever it might be. But it's connecting people to people, again, connecting dots, connect, connecting us to knowledge. So we have educational. We're going to be in Phoenix uh, at our world conference next week. And we're going to have a ton of educational opportunities to be able to sit down and learn about. And, you know, in my case, it might be the industrial market. It might be about managing a company. It might be about hiring. It might be a bunch of different things. Connects us to markets. You know, I'm going to be in Dublin in a couple of months and uh, meeting with my buddies in Dublin and have the opportunity to extend those relationships. And of course, that means I've got clients that I can serve over in Europe. All right. Without SIOR, I couldn't do that. And I might be able to refer somebody to someone in SIOR, but in this case, I'm, I'm sorry, to, to Europe and to another agent or another advisor in Europe. But in this case, I'm going to refer him to a, a SIOR that I know and I know will take care of him. And then that leads, of course, then to, mark, to, uh, uh, to, to opportunities, right, which is I've uh, got this requirement. And guess what? I, hopefully we can do a deal. All right. So it's been huge. So I can tell you my book of business uh, is probably in our company's book of business is probably 30 uh, percent because of SIOR. It's whether, whether it be that it's a direct referral from SIOR or that somebody for SIOR got us to where we needed to go, or that even somebody who was a non-SIOR calling into us because we are an, I'm an SIOR and saying, hey, listen, I got a client I need, uh, need some help with. So beyond that, um, the just the pure personal relationships that have been developed, uh, it, it's, been, it's very difficult to describe how deep some of the relationships I have with so many different SIORs. And, and those are meaningful just on a personal level, whether we're doing business or not. Yeah, no, but a part of business is personal. I mean, you, you get to work, especially with your, your coworkers and your colleagues. I mean, it, you, you get to build these relationships with them, both in a business setting and a personal setting. And, you know, the more beneficial relationships you can develop in your life. I mean, that's kind of part of the reason, for, I mean, in my wow. opinion of, of having a fulfilling life is you, you, you get to interact with people that, 
that are of high character, high integrity, and you have a shared mission. So 100%, Ralph. I mean, to, to that point, you know, I, I always kind of challenge the idea of life work balance because you know what, guess uh, to your point, it's, they are, they're, they're meshing. It's, it's making sure that, you know, you're, to me, it's making sure it's so you've got life work balance and just at some point in time, one takes priority of the other, but it really doesn't go away, right? I mean, the other parts of your life don't go away. The other thing is I always like, well, it's not personal, it's business. You know, I always love that, but no, 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 it's not business, it's personal, right? And I love that quote because that is to your point, that's exactly what our work at SIOR has turned into. It is a very, very personal business and, and it's so much nicer to go through your day um, with personal relationships. And, and we, you know, it's, it's really an organization where I can reach out to someone and just say, Hey, listen, can, can you help me with this? There's no transactional, um, benefit to it, you know, economic benefit. They're just there to help you just there to listen. That's very personal. I'm going on Friday night to a, to a, uh, Wolfpack, uh, hockey game here in Hartford, uh, with a good friend nice. out of Rhode Island, who's an SIOA, whose son is playing, uh, for the Wolfpack. And it's like, this is cool. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and just to kind of, just to kind of reiterate that point regarding, you know, work-life balance, uh, Jeff Bezos once referenced the work-life, it's not work-life balance, it's work-life harmony. So there's going to be periods in your life where there's, there's ebbs and flows. Like there's going to be periods where let's say you're starting in your career and you're working your tail off and doing what you need to do to build a, a book of business. And there's gonna be times in your life where, you know, maybe family takes priority. And then there's gonna be times where, you know, it just ebbs and flows over time. And so I think that that's a more healthy way to look at at you know the work life than it is than is work life balance because it, again it, I, I think that you know that's that's just the better approach. I, I love that. I've never heard that actually. That's uh, and that, so I love these things because you, you you learn as much as you as you give. So it's uh, that's pretty cool. I'll be using that definitely. Yeah. Well, Mark, I think the biggest question for me would be the SIR and the mission. Uh, you guys went through uh, the pandemic and everything, and we're kind of seeing you know the ending to that uh so what is the organization's goal uh five to ten years from now have you guys changed that goal from the previous years or have you created a new one can you elaborate yeah. on that well listen we we've uh, we went through some changes during uh during covid i wouldn't say that i mean i don't think we were broken certainly going into covid at all but getting yeah. out of covid we were hyper focused covid allowed us the opportunity to take a step back in you know march of 2020 and uh, take a look at ourselves and make sure that we were actually executing the mission that we said we were supposed to be executing and the answer is uh we were but we weren't all right we weren't doing it 100 percent and so it was a refocus on the mission that i just talk, talked about and refocus on executing that and getting rid of what i call the white noise you know when things are getting better when things are going well even now you tend to do maybe a couple more things because, hey, what the heck, you might as well do it, right? And then all of a sudden things just turn and it's like, okay, get rid of the white noise and start really focusing on what you are here for. So one of our, so we're going through a strategy um, uh, analysis right now for a three-year strategy, uh, strategic plan, uh, which will be voted on in the fall of this year. So we're still developing that, but I can tell you that it includes that focus on on, on our members and making sure we're delivering pro the, uh, the, the product 
product to our members that we're supposed to be delivering, making sure that it's not just an in-person delivery, meaning, you know, we, SIOR is known for its relationships, uh, very much so. If anybody said, like, what's the difference between SIOR and X organization? Oh, it's their relationships. These guys know each other. They're personal. They're into it, right? But those are based on in-person uh, events. And of course, when 2020, March of 2020 came around, we didn't have in-person events. So where we were very weak was on the digital side, not only Zoom, which everybody was weak on, content, digital content, as well as social media. So we have an entire commitment to that side of what I call the other half of the toolbox, the in-person and the other half is the digital delivery and making sure that that's working at full full tilt. Diversity is a huge one that will absolutely be on us so we, on our strategic plan. We spoke earlier about the weeding out of weak brokers, right? And But the reality is that uh, we weeded out a lot of diversity. And it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just men and women. It was everything else included. And so we have a major focus on diversity, just like everybody else does, but making sure we're not talking about it, that we're executing it. And we believe that our social media and those things are going to really help us do that. Got to take a look at the compensation, the way our industry pay, uh, you know, does compensation, uh, and we hopefully start changing that a little bit um, and being a larger voice to the industry. We want we we SIWAR has been quiet when it comes to speaking out on issues of our industry. We usually leave that up to National Association of Realtors, and we generally still will, but we want our voice to be heard when there are big issues out there and taking positions and being being able to be a part of the solution. So I would say those are some of the highlights. Um, our membership value is is right there. And uh, and so we're going to keep driving that. That's awesome. No, and yeah. and, and, and I'll echo on the, the diversity piece. And then that's something that, you know, we've tried to make a little bit more of a, of a commitment towards on the podcast is trying to, it, it, to, to bring in different voices from a variety of different backgrounds, colors, and creeds to give people an example of the fact that the people of, of diverse backgrounds and creeds can operate within this industry. And I, I think the compensation piece that you address is extremely important, in particular for those individuals who don't come from, you know, privileged social economic backgrounds. I think sometimes, you know, in the first year or two, when you're not really making a lot of money, if you don't have the support in, in some capacity, it, it can, it can weed out a lot of people. And so I think that, you know, those efforts in, in particular, I think could be a value uh, for the organization. And, and if I feel like as an industry, if we do commit, in that in that direction, you know, I think it will improve the diversity in the ranks for sure. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. We're really well said. Uh, listen, I think um, we are what we eat, right? And so mm -hmm. it's a lot easier yeah. when you're when I'm out there shaking hands and and going to networking and developing relationships. Um, you generally are going to gravitate sometimes to another white male, right? And then mm -hmm. I mean, let's let's face it, we're a white male industry that fortunately mm -hmm. is changing. Uh, but we need to step outside our comfort zone and make sure that we are shaking hands with people other than just white males. And that's not to negate the value of the, 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 the white male, the traditional person in our industry. Um, I think we have to uh, make sure that we have a university program with SIOR. And we uh, just, again, you are what you eat. Many of our universities that we have relationships with are privileged uh, uh, universities. And so we are reaching out now to the less than privileged universities, not the prototype that have real estate schools, but introducing the concept of real estate to other uh, universities and colleges. I know when I went to college, uh, commercial real estate wasn't even on the 
radar. I mean, I didn't know what the heck commercial real estate was until two years out of school. That's that's not something, and I came from a blue collar background. So um, we need to make sure that the people like me and less, even less privileged, because I felt I was pretty privileged, uh, understand what the commercial real estate opportunity is. And then as we go, give them a helping hand, right? Help them up. And yeah, okay, maybe you can't pay that person traditionally a salary, pay them a salary, right? And if you lose it, that's okay. You know what? It, 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 there's lessons in there and, and do it again. Just figure it out. And I think I think the efforts that you guys are doing digitally are going to help immensely. I mean, I can't tell you how many people have reached out to just me through the YouTube. And I know Jeff as well, you know, through the YouTube content we're creating and everything else. And it's kind of opening their minds to, you know, new content. I mean, the newer the new generation of, of individuals that are leveraging social media in particular to an extreme. I mean, that's how a lot of people learn stuff. I can't tell you how many times I go to YouTube if I want to figure something out. I'll just type it in the search bar and watch a video on it. So, you know, if someone hasn't hears someone talking about commercial real estate and they go to YouTube or, you know, Facebook or TikTok or whatever, and they look up commercial real estate in these in these search engines, whatever comes up is is something that they consume and they process. And so, you know, I think your efforts in particular, you know, pushing content on these mediums will help a lot because it at least open people's minds to the opportunity. And then whether or not they want to take it is up to them. Yeah, great point. Agreed. And we, we're, uh, we are definitely, uh, behind, we were behind on that social media side. And, uh, you know, to your point, that's what you're using as a selling point when you go out there, right? Your social media, your technology, those kind of things. And uh, we, we weren't, but we are now. That's awesome. No, I think it's going to make a huge impact long-term, really. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, so um, what if, uh, another thing is, is what advice would you give to those who are interested in pursuing a certain designation within commercial real estate? Yeah. Like how, how would they decide? Cause I know there's so many facets of, of commercial uh, real estate. So how would, yeah, yeah for uh, I guess a young agent coming in under your wing, how would you help them and guide them to a, a designation? Well, we, we have a case study, a uh, fresh case study on that, Jeff. So, um, and I, I, I don't want to suggest, I don't want to suggest that uh, I was the reason why by any means, I think the company helped support this success story. And, uh, but the part, the individual really went forward and, and executed it herself. So we hired a new broker, uh, uh, Stephanie Romano back uh, last year. Uh, Stephanie was already involved in the CCIM uh, world as a treasurer of the local chapter. You don't need to be a CCIM to be a treasurer in the uh, CCIM system, but to move up the ladder you do, or you need to be en route to. And um, Stephanie, young mom, um, you know, doing a, doing a great job here, but had her hands full. And as I like, step, you know, I think it'd be great if you could go get, get your CCIM. And the question was, well, do we have time? And I said, well, you know what? You'll never have time, right? It's, you have to make time for it. Stephanie uh, went out, she tackled it. She just became, she just got her designation, CCIM designation down in the Carolinas a uh, week before last. So we couldn't be more proud of her. So I think it's um, connect to, well, in that case, mentors reach out and make sure that these that the younger people understand the value of a designation. Uh, I'm a big believer in designations. Some people aren't. 
Um, I think especially when you're younger and speaking to Raphael's uh, uh, point, which is you're young, you're walking into a to a sp- place, to a building and to a company and you're looking at a guy who's saying, well, why not hire, I could just hire Mark. You don't know anything. Well, look at the SIOR after my name, look at the CCIM after my name and property management, look at the IRM after my name or whatever the IRM designations are. It establishes a level of credibility. So I would give any advice for the younger brokers, if they're serious about their trade, if they're serious about what they want to do, work on a designation, because not only does it give you instant credibility today, it's going to give you credibility down the line. And that's not going to be that people look at you and say, genius. Oh, you got a SIOR? Genius. No, it's going to say they at least have a certain level of value that was measured. And um, so it's not just your name, you got the designation after it. And I think that that's, that's, that's huge. Later in your career, um, you, because of your establishment with CCIM and just using CCIM NSIOR as an example, we talked about connections. Um, you want to be a local company at Century, you want to be a local broker at Century Commercial in Hartford, great. Just keep doing what you're doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. Late in your career, I think people, and I say later, probably as the years go, you want to create a little bit larger platform. Doesn't have to be done through a national platform, not negating the value of CBREs or the JLLs of the world, but it can be done on a local platform, being you know, with a local company as well. And that CCIM or SIOR, whatever it might be, establishes that platform to, re- to get your clients' services well beyond just your local market. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we had a, a gentleman named Mike, Mark Seifert. He's a, he's a CCIM instructor. Um, and he, he invests in, with a fund in office buildings across the country. And he referenced the, 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 the network of CCIM and how he's done deals with people in other markets that have brought him opportunities because of his affiliation with CCIM. And they just so happen to be a CCIM as well. So that, that, that credibility and that camaraderie that's built through the organization you know, can translate to opportunities on the investing side if that's what you want to do or you know, on the brokerage end if they refer business back and forth as well. So. Absolutely. And, and I think, Rafael, the, the other point on the, uh, to that is you, you don't necessarily need to have the designation in order to be involved in your local chapter, right? So you can sure. actually be a guest in a local chapter and go without having the designation. Obviously, what they want you to become a, uh, a, a, a designee. Um, there's also non- uh, designation type of organizations, you know, your, your, your commercial real estate for women, um, you know, those type of organizations, NAOP, those kinds, get it, get involved again, establish connections. Listen to Raphael, SIOR and CCIM establish a great connection, uh, councils of real estate as well, and crew and all these, a lot of them, you know, they're playing together in the same sandbox. And um, you want to start getting instant credibility, instant connections in the, in the marketplace, just get involved, get out there. And the designation, you know, like a Stephanie Romano, who's a poster child for us for success, uh, it didn't take the time to get your designation if that's what you want, which I would strongly suggest. Absolutely. Great advice. Yeah. So, um, well, we first off, we, we just greatly appreciate your time uh, for coming on the podcast. I know we gained a lot of value from, from the, 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 the conversation. Uh, what we typically like to do at the end of our uh, near the end of the podcast episode is to ask a few questions. Uh, one being uh, we're all voracious readers. I know Jeff is, I am, and our audience is as well. So we like to ask what was the most impactful book that you've ever read? And it doesn't necessarily have to be commercial real estate related. We've had people talk about a variety of different books. So, but if you would like to share that, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, so um, I am not a voracious reader of books. I'm a voracious reader of, uh, of um, uh, periodicals and uh, news and that stuff. Uh, a, a, um, a, a committed um, Wall Street Journal uh, reader. But um, the two most impactful in my career, I'll give you two. 
Um, I'll give you I'll give you three. Good to good to great. Um, never eat alone. And seven habits of highly effective people. I would say I would put those three on the list. I gained different uh, insight on all three. Um, and good to great from a management standpoint, the ability to get the right people on the bus. I think from uh, seven habits of highly effective people, I learned um, you know a number of the tools that I can use and appreciation for what other people um, bring to the table. Uh, it's not just a clone of Mark Duclo. And you don't, by the way, you don't want a clone of Mark Duclo. So it's, uh, and I don't mean that from a negative, but you don't need five Mark Duclos at the table, which is again, the idea of diversity, right? Um, and then um, the uh, never eat alone, I think is a great one for young people because it, 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 it gives you an understanding of how relationships are developed and the need to connect and never eat alone is basically, no, just don't, don't eat alone, but pull somebody in and you can always have lunch with somebody, right? Just pull them in and, and, and grab some advice, grab some contact. Absolutely. And we, we I mean, it, well, obviously in the brokerage space, it's, it's part of the business, but even outside of it, I mean, if you're in any type of, you know, industry, regardless, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's important to build your network. And, you know, I make a commitment to grab coffee with, with at least one or two people a week, uh, whether that's in my industry or, you know, potential clients or whatever else, right? Just, just getting together face-to-face -to -face in particular, it makes a huge difference in how people interact with you, right? The, the trust factor is built much more seamlessly in a face-to-face -face interaction than it is in a digital format even. And I know people were saying, oh, you know, Zoom and everything else is here to stay and, you know, we can transact business via Zoom. And although this is great, uh, I, I would imagine it'd be even better to have, you know, sit down, have a cough, cup of coffee and, you know, just kind of, you know, have that that more personal interaction and touch. So 100 percent. Listen, Zoom is a tool in a toolbox. Right. And everybody wants to everybody's knee jerk is to throw that tool out of the toolbox. It's like time out. No, it's a tool in the toolbox. It's not just like any other tool. It's not supposed to be used all the time, but it is a valuable tool. Listen, we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for Zoom. Correct. So exactly. You know, the other thing I would say, just as a quick beat, when we're talking about young people, as we talk about what we just did, I think it's just, just a, that rather than telling people all the time with what you're all about and who you are and how you can be so great for them, take a step back and learn, be a lifetime learner, be inquisitive, ask questions, you know, and that creates this kind of conversation. You talked about how you learned from me. I learned from you guys today. It's just, it's, it's exchange of knowledge. It's not, that's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. And I think a couple of those books also teach you that too, but, you know, keep all the tools in the toolbox because you're going to need them at some point in time. Although you could probably throw out your Rolodex. It could, that, that might be, not hey, Rolodex. hey, it may be worse. It may be worse something someday. I, I mean, you see some of these like basketball cards. So maybe if you keep your orders around long enough, it'll that is be true. worth something. That is true. Well, Mark, I really appreciate. Uh, yeah, we did both gain a lot of value on this. And one of the other questions that we like to say is we have a CRE treasure chest, which is a repository of PDFs or videos or uh, any type of educational content it can even be a case study that people uh, give to us so we can give to our listeners. Um, so our ask today is what are you willing to give to that? Well, listen, personally, if I uh, throw out there all the time, if you have any per individual questions, you want any kind of content and like, feel free to reach out to me directly. I am more than happy to point you in the direction for the content that you're looking for, just as you both can do as well. But I'm open you know, call me if you have any other questions, call me. Um, as far as SIOR content's concerned, SIOR.com has a lot of content on it that you can avail yourself to. Also explains, obviously, a little more about SIOR and uh, who we are. So I would give 
of those two resources. I know I, um, from a day-to-day -day standpoint, use Wall Street Journal. As I said, I use uh, BizNow. I think BizNow and um, you know, um, uh, uh, commercial real estate news and those kind of uh, uh, periodicals, just to name a couple, because I, there are so many others. Um, I'm, I'm religiously on my Feedly, um, and so I make sure that I always stock that with a bunch of content. But again, rather than a ramble, just feel free to reach out to me, and I would use SIOR.com. Absolutely. No, and yeah. I know I'm sure people will will leverage uh, your 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 ask. So I think that you'll definitely be receiving some some feedback from from the audience, and I know they'll they'll be thankful for the uh, the, uh, the the value that you provided them today. Uh, as far as you know, people wanting to get in contact with you, um, you know, we could put your contact information in the show description as well. But if you don't mind, kind of uh, illustrating to the audience or anything, I think that'd be awesome. Oh, absolutely. So uh, to reach me, it's you can see my name, I think, on the screen. It's uh, it's Mark. It's Duclo, D-U-C-L-O-S at S-E-N-T-R-Y commercial.com. Again, Duclo at centurycommercial.com. Phone number is 860-983-5630. Uh, website is centurycommercial.com. Awesome. Yeah. And like I said before, if you guys are listening to this in a podcast format, it's going to be in the description below. Or if you guys are watching this on YouTube, it will also be in the description below. So feel free to take advantage and reach out to Mark. I know he's a, you know, super giving and, and thank uh, a great individual. And I'm sure he'll be able to answer any questions you guys have. So again, yeah. Mark, we what, one, go ahead. There's go one ahead. thing. Yeah. Best to reach me by phone. Um, yeah. My emails get buried. So and please just reach me by phone if you want to get a quick response. So uh, just a little little tidbit. I'm also notorious for returning emails on weekends. <laughs> no, and, and I can imagine with the volume of emails you receive, that's probably the case as well. And, and, I, and I'm a, I fall victim to that sometimes too. And I'm the worst with sometimes text because, you know, I get texts all the time and you have to sit down and think about what you're going to write. And so sometimes <laughs> I, I don't answer a text for four days and I'm like, oh man, I got to respond. So yeah, yeah, calling yeah. calling is definitely more efficient for sure. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Well, Mark, we greatly appreciate your time. As we said before, uh, you know, if you guys are watching this on a YouTube format, we would greatly appreciate it if you can like and subscribe to this channel. It really helps with the YouTube algorithm and ensures more and more people can hear this message. If you guys are watching this on uh, or listening to this in a podcast format, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever else, again, leave us a five-star review. We've seen a significant uptick in our downloads as a result of you guys doing so. It really helps with the algorithm to make sure more and more people can hear this message and learn about the many facets of commercial real estate. So thanks again for stopping by and we'll see you all next time.